Hello there, I'm Tav and Alan, and welcome to OK So Here's One, a podcast celebrating street jokes. You know what street jokes are. A priest and a rabbi are fighting over the same taxi cab. Street jokes are great, and every episode we invite our guests to come on and tell us their favorite street joke. Now this episode, kind of special, our guest this week is musician, actor, and writer Tony Orlando. That's right. Yeah. Tony Orlando. The Tony Orlando of tie yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. Mike Douglas, Mer Griffin, six-time Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Tony Orlando. He is performing at the Fallsview Casino in Niagara Falls, February 27th and 28th. You can find a link in the show notes. He is wonderful to talk to. So many great stories. I hope you enjoy this episode. I loved talking with Tony. He's great. Speaking of shows, right after Tony Orlando is in Niagara Falls, February 27th and 28th, you can see me bring right em up to Ottawa on Thursday, February 29th. You know how this works. I host a comedy show. I bring five of Ottawa's top comics to the stage. They perform. All the while, I have a team of writers writing roast jokes about everything that comedian does. The comedian goes away. I collect the roast jokes and I read them out verbatim, providing anonymity and emotional distance for the writers. It's the funnest show in Ottawa. That happens Thursday, February 29th, 8.30 at Absolute Comedy, 412 Preston Street in Little Italy in Ottawa. It's going to be great. Now, without further ado, here comes Tony Orlando. Hello. Hello, Mr. Hey, Orlando. How are you? How are you guys doing? I'm so sorry. You know what the traffic is like post, post, uh, what was that game they played yesterday again? Oh, yeah, the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Super Bowl. That thing. You know, the thing you hardly hear anything about, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the um, yeah. you know, they, they had something going on while tw- Taylor Swift showed up and chugged a beer. Like, that's yeah, all I know. Well, Actually, the reason they got an audience is because they thought she was working there. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, you feel sorry for Usher because he's just sitting there going, do, do I go out now? Do I? I got da- I got roller skates for nothing. I got roller you skates. Know, but I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think it's great. What do you mean? I remember when Marilyn Monroe dated and married mm-hmm. Joe DiMaggio. Right. Very similar. Yeah. Very, very similar. Yeah. And the same reaction happened back then. Uh huh. If you remember. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I, I think Taylor is a sweetheart and mm-hmm. her family's great. I've known Taylor since she's a child. Wow. And her dad, uh-huh. Scott, is a good friend. Okay. And he keeps me posted on the lifestyle that he's leading now, mm-hmm. which is insane. Right. But you know, he used to be credited because he sold his house. In Pennsylvania, when she was 12 years old, mm-hmm. 13 years old, right. to, to support her career in Nashville and move to Nashville. Right. The, uh, and and the, the weird thing is, too, I just realized something. We got to record this. Um, Recording in progress. There we go. That's what we like. <laughs> That's what we like. That's the that's the sound of a save, Tony. They're right there. Isn't it going, yeah, the audio is good. And the video, oh, shit. Okay. The... Uh, it's 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 funny that that uh, you you look, kind of look at look at Taylor as like how she has sort of like taken control of her career like up to the point where she just went okay I'm going to re-record everything I'm going to re-record and 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 do all that and so so that she has that ownership and it's like that takes that takes a, a nouse that a lot of people don't have and, and a lot of control I think that's great well you know I asked some young girls not long ago. Mm-hmm. Why they were Swifties. Sure. And their answer was just exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. She fought for us. Yeah. And won. Mm-hmm. And the big guys thought they could beat her, and they didn't. Right. Yeah. And she won. 
Mm-hmm. And that's an example for every young and older woman, mom, grand. You go to her concerts. Remember something? 82,000 people she draws in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Mind nuts. Blowing. It's That's nuts. Super Bowl numbers. No. What, what, t- case in point. Right? The, the, and, and her dad told me a great story, which really indicates what you're saying about her. Scott was saying one day, I think this was like 2017, mm-hmm. and people don't realize that she was filling stadiums in 2017. Mm-hmm. And so she calls her dad up, who's a stock market guy. That's his mm-hmm. life. And she says, Dad, let me ask you something. How many semis do we have on this tour? Mm-hmm. And he goes, five. She goes, mm. how many buses do we have? And he says, three. And she said, what are we paying for these buses? And he gives her the number. Mm-hmm. And she said, Dad, let's buy the bus company. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. Right. And she ended up riding in her company bus mm-hmm. free. And every country act. Going on the road, right? Bought the, the buses from her. Mm-hmm. That describes this wonderful girl. She's incredible. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, as much as I would like to convert this entire show on your and my benefit, because <laughs> all we got to do is, is hashtag Taylor Swift into the post for this. And dude, you and I are made. We're it. Um, I want to. I want to bring this up because there was something that kind of jumped out at me. Because like, I, first of all, I know. I know your career. Like, like I have. I have watched her from when I was. You were just to give you a sort of point of context of like, like how I know you. Uh, not personally, obviously, this is the first time we've met, but you were like one of those guys, like when I was growing up in small town, Ontario, I'm watching TV because you know, that we had four channels and you were just one of these guys that was on, like you were just there. Like you were, you were there. You, you were, you were part of the formulation of like, like kind of my, my, my childhood, because I would just see you as like, oh yeah, Tony Orlando, because you're famous for being famous and great, right? Like, like every time I would turn on TV, it's like, you're on hee haw for crying out loud. Yeah. Hee haw. <laughs> yeah. That was three, my family three show. Three Right. Carson six times, but hee haw three, right? We're still, all right. That's right. We're, we're going to get, we're going to get to those in a and, second. And by the way, I had hee haw the entire show mm-hmm. on my variety show. Right. Yes. You had the they Tornado Orlando show. Yeah, a special with them. Yeah. yeah. They were great people. Mm-hmm. Roy Clark became a brother. Right. He was amazing. Between Roy Clark and Buck Owens and Buck Owens, uh, yeah. and Grandpa and uh, what was her name with the hat? What was her name? The, the, the. Can't pull it. But Grandpa yeah. was a funny dude. Oh, dude. He was the. He was the real deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really was the guy he played. That wasn't an actor working. Right. Most of the people on that show were very good actors, mm-hmm. good comedians. But he was exactly what you saw. Yep. He was the real deal. Right. And who was the big heavy guy? Him too. Oh. I forgot his name. Well, I've just remembered Minnie Pearl. So there. So we got that one. <laughs> Howdy. Just, yeah, just, just give it a minute. One like at a time, minute. Tony. I'm really, you're, you're really t- making me take a hit here. You know what, what gets me about Minnie Pearl? Mm-hmm. Minnie Pearl was a guest on my variety show. Right. And she set, said something on that show that I thought the censors were going to cut out. Mm-hmm. She looks at me and she goes to kiss me and she says, you know, you have to get through the bush to get to the picnic. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
And I thought for sure we oh were canceled. God. I thought for sure. We were, and after the show, I said, did you realize what you said? She said, yes, but I didn't realize that you knew what I meant. <laughs> That's a true story. Oh, my she was God. Something, she was something else. Oh, that saucy minx. <laughs> but here's, okay, so uh, before before we kind of get into some of, some of the things that, that I totally remember you for and, and, and that I, I was like, oh, yeah, we got to talk to him about this. Darcy, help me out here. How many of our previous guests from all of our other podcasts uh, uh, versions that we've done, how many have written a song done by the Beatles? How many? On Just on, on the count of one hand. Oh, on one hand, uh, this many. Yeah, probably about that much. I did not realize that you had uh, something that the Beatles went, oh, we'll have that. Yeah, and toured yeah I didn't it. write it. Actually, I recorded it. It was written by um, Jerry Goffin, who was Carol King's husband. Okay. And Jack Keller, who was... A writer, producer in the same building, all of us were in the same right. He was our guru, Jack Keller was. Mm -hmm. But they wrote a version of Beautiful Dreamer. Right. And Lou Adler, you know, the old Beautiful Dreamer, mm -hmm. which is a PD song, public domain, which means you can write a lyric to Beautiful Dreamer and call it your song. Right. Because it's public domain. Okay. So they rewrote Beautiful Dreamer to fit a more contemporary sound. Lou uh, Adler, came into the studio and said, Tony, I want to cut a version of Beautiful Dreamer with you, but I want to do it funky. Mm -hmm. I, I want to do it, I want to do it like Ray Charles would do it. And I said, would you trust me with that? He goes, yeah, come on, let's try. So we go in, we cut it. The record comes out. Mm -hmm. It was not a big hit, not a hit at all, as a matter of fact. And then recently, the Beatles uh, album came out at BBC, mm -hmm. volume two. And I open it up. And I look and I see Beautiful Dreamer, my lyric. Mm -hmm. I play the record. It's exactly like the record I cut. So I'm reading the liner notes. And it said that the boys had gotten a copy of my Beautiful Dreamer mm -hmm. in 1962. Uh, yeah, end of 1962. Mm -hmm. George Harrison would often come to St. Louis to visit his sister in Missouri. Right. And when he would be in Missouri... He would listen to American radio and then take back songs that he thinks that they should do. Right. That was one of them. So you listen, if you listen to the Beatles version of Beautiful Dreamer, mm -hmm. and by the way, in that album and the lines is a picture of Paul McCartney's set list. Oh okay. and it's the number and it's the number five song on their live set list. So yes, I have the honor of being covered by the right. Beatles. <laughs> But there's a story that goes on from that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at the Grammys, let's see, 1970s. Mm -hmm. Joy, uh, uh, John Lennon comes on, and he comes on with Paul Simon. Maybe you remember that. Yeah, yeah. And he comes on, and he sees me, and I could tell his eyes were locked in to me. I knew he was coming towards me. Mm -hmm. And uh, he walks up, and he goes, Tony. Now, my first hit record in England was a song called Bless You, went mm -hmm. to number one, right. 1961. So he walks up to him and he goes, Tony, imagine we thought Bless You was funky. <laughs> which, which we both realized years later, there was no funk at all in that record. <laughs> you know? So then I said, I said, well, John, 
uh, what did you think of Beautiful Dreamer? He goes, no, that was funky. Mm-hmm. So he took one and gave one back. Right, 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 right. Well, that, that also kind of kind of brings up like so when when you were kind of starting out and 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 finding your trade and and doing that sort of like who were the sort of like contemporaries that you kept colliding with that that you sit back and go, you know what? I've met some folks like. Like, oh like, who, God. who stands? Who Remember, stands out to you? this is sixty-four years. Yeah, of course, doing this. Yeah. So the first time I'm sixteen years old, I'm working with Jackie Wilson, right? Smokey Robinson, mm-hmm. and I was sixteen. Crazy. And working with Carol King, who hadn't had a hit yet as a writer, mm-hmm. I was doing all her demos up on the roof, all that "Will You Love Me Tomorrow," mm-hmm. all that stuff. I was her demo singer. Huh? I, you know, and then. As time went on and I came to Vegas, I came at a time when it was the Rat Pack here. Right. So I was close to Frank mm-hmm. and I was close to Dean mm-hmm. and very close to Jerry, host of the Jerry Lewis Telethon right. for 33 years. Yeah. So my first guest on my TV show was Jackie Gleason, who, if you know, in those days was called the great one. Oh, That's yeah. how big a star he was. Mm-hmm. So it would be hard to pick. I remember sitting in a dressing room with Elvis Presley. Come on. At the Hilton Hotel, because we were both working the Hilton together. Right. So when I would come in uh, on his closing night, I'd visit with him. If he was coming in on my closing night, he would visit with me. Awesome. So I've been mixing with these people who I still look at my relationship with them and go, I knew them. Mm -hmm. I hung with them. Right. They were my friends. I mean- Sinatra actually would call me up and say, what are you doing for dinner? <laughs> wow. I, I go, this dream? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and it feels like a dream. Sure. In retrospect, I go back and I think, wait a minute. I had a network television show? 36 million people watch this show every Wednesday night? I did that? Mm-hmm. Because I'm still the kid on that rooftop dreaming about this business. Right. I, I don't even realize that I've done it. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm retiring, the impact of what's happened to me mm-hmm. is stark. Right. And it's bittersweet. Sure. Because I just closed my last show in Vegas. I've been headlining Vegas for 52 years. Jesus. You know, my first hit record was 64 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we used to love me when I'm 64. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is that the people still do. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough thing for me to leave. Those people. Right. That's the toughest part of retiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just telling my friend Marvin Lashaba, who's sitting next to me here, I said, you know, I can still hit the ball. I just can't run the bases. Right. And that basically is why I'm retiring. Right. I see Elton John's retired. Kenny Loggins is retired. Mm-hmm. Bill Medley just announced his retirement. Mm-hmm. All rich boys. Right. Elton, all of us, it's, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time to move over. Right. And there's nothing worse than a guy who does not know when to hang up the spikes. Right. You got to be able to come to some realization that, wait, wait a minute, you're not going to have a hit record. Radio's not going to play you. Mm-hmm. So for you to walk around going, oh, I'm going to go in the studio, cut an album and have a hit is silly. Right. This generation does not connect with us, mm-hmm. at least me. Why push it? Right. You've been blessed with 64 incredible dream years. Enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make that the 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 cake at the party, right? You know, and those candles will never be blown out. Mm-hmm. Those memories will never fade. Yeah, and I can look back, like I just did with you, and say, I did that. 
Yeah. Yeah, Tony, you did good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You raised a lot of money for veterans because of Yellow Ribbon, mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars. You've raised hundreds of millions of dollars for MDA. Mm-hmm. Hopefully God looks for good favor. Maybe I'll be in good standing yeah. with him. Yeah. So you can't run the bases. That just tells me one thing, Tony. Pinch hit. <laughs> I love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just get the call. There's like, like the, 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 the left arm and, and you come. Uh, Boom. I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm not retiring from the industry. No good. All I'm doing is retiring from touring. Mm-hmm. But I'm not retiring from my radio show, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm not retiring from flexing my, my writer's muscle. Mm-hmm. I'd like to write a novel. Cool. I've written a Broadway musical. I just finished two film scripts. I don't know what's going to happen with them. They may die a death. They may never make it. Mm -hmm. That's this business. All you can do is try and do it with joy. Yeah. And that's what I'm, my creative juices right now get excited when I think about writing a show. Mm -hmm. The, do you enjoy, I I, I want to kind of create a, just kind of build a context around here. Obviously the music is going to be first and foremost, right? Of the, of the insular ones of, of like, you know, the fact that you've, you've done screen acting, the fact that you've done television, the fact that, you know, you, you have these authorships, the fact that you can hold your own against guys like the two Ronnies that you've done Carson six times. Like (laughs) what, what is it like, like what of all of those do you go, that's the next thing I want to do. Like that, like where, where do you find the most joy out of what I just said? All that. I'm my most joy. Even when I did, when I was on stage mm-hmm. doing those shows, my most joy was writing my set list. Hey. Yeah. Because my set list wasn't just a bunch of songs. Mm-hmm. It was a story. Right. And when I hit the stage, that opening song to that closing song, the audience doesn't realize I'm taking them on a journey. Yeah. So each moment that I select to go to the next song, is really the next page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's old school. Yeah. I think it is old school. And I and I got that from guys like Sammy Davis and Bobby Darren, mm-hmm. which is what they would do. But they, like me, also enjoyed the creative juices of being a writer. So when I look at my future now mm-hmm. and I think about you know, the six shows I did with Carson or Mm -hmm. the four years on network television or any of that stuff that I did, all that's, I look back on it and go, wow, I, I'm grateful to God that that Mm -hmm. happened to me. But now, now, like I sit down and look at that set list, this set list I'm about to write Mm -hmm. is a movie. Yeah. This set list I'm about to write is a Broadway show. This set like I'm about to write is a novel. This, so I get that same rush awesome. of enjoyment. And it's not important for me to sell the book or sell the play. Mm-hmm. I always believe that product first, money later. Yeah. You make great product, then if it's great, it'll make money. But if you go in thinking you're going to make money, oh, this will make money, you're not creating something worthy. Right. It's a trick. Yeah. But when you write from your heart mm-hmm. and you don't care whether it makes it or not, mm-hmm. when it does make it, there's the joy. Yeah. 
Do what you love, the money will follow. It is like when it's like when you, you got I've got friends that work in like tech industries, and they're just like their bosses come in and go, "We need a viral video." Uh, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> by the way, I, I you love know that's a you know that's one of the best examples I've ever heard in my life. Oh yeah, that is exactly working backwards. You're yeah. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. The uh, I, I just love the difference between like your set list as a singer and mine as a comedian because you are building a story and I'm just going, well, that's about my wiener. That's about my wiener. 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 Yep. Oh, the dog. My wife. Wiener again. Yep. That's it. Um, well, you know, I've worked with enough comics in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but did you happen to see the um, documentary on George Carlin? Not yet, not yet. I haven't, I haven't got the streaming service up here that does it, but we're going to get it so I can watch just that. Well, if you yeah. get a chance to watch it, mm-hmm. I'm in that. In that. Oh, nice. Okay. And the reason I'm in that is um, when George went through the seven dirty words. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. Yep. He couldn't find any work. Right. He he literally couldn't find a job in Vegas. Couldn't find a job in television. Mm-hmm. This was a genius, by the way. And he calls me up one day and he said, Tony, I I can't get a job. I need some television exposure. Mm -hmm. Do you think you could use me on your show? And I said, George, you're a genius. I'm going to go to the head of the CBS, Fred Silverman, and I'm going to ask him if you could be part of our show as a regular. Would you agree to that? Mm -hmm. Tony, Tony. Would you do that for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're doing it for me. I'm not doing it for you. You're George Carlin. You're a genius. Mm-hmm. So I go to Fred Silverman. I said, Freddie, I would like to have George Carlin as a regular. He goes, you're crazy. <laughs> he said, you, you'll ruin your career. <laughs> Nobody will watch the show. I said, what do you mean? Don't you know about the seven dirty words? I said, yeah. It's all over the paper. I said, got a lot of publicity, right? He goes, yeah. I said, so let me ask you a question. If we get him on our show as a regular, is that more publicity than you're willing to pay for? Mm -hmm. Perfect. He said, sign him. (laughs) (laughs) So I go to George, and I go, George, do me a favor. Cut the beard down a little bit. Cut down the hair a little bit. Come on and Promise me you won't go there. Mm-hmm. I give you my word, Tony. So opening show, I go, it's time for George. That was what the segment was called. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for George. And the camera comes in for a close-up on George Carlin. Slow. Mm-hmm. And the president is up in the director's booth. And so are all the writers and every all the big bosses. And in he comes. And George goes, you know. You're going to die. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. And I could see, I could see the whole group of them are going like this. Oh, my God. He's telling America they're all going to die. He's talking about death. Oh, my God. So George comes off. I go, George. George, your first time on the show, you're talking about death? He said, Tony, I just wanted to prove to everybody that there's a word worse than fuck. Beautiful. <laughs> Excuse my language. Not at all. I had to use no. it to tell that story. And 
And he was right. Yeah. Yeah. There was a clean word that brought them to a point where they thought, oh, my God, we're going to lose the world. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even a curse word. Right. That was George's genius. He was literally a predictor of things to come. Mm Mm-hmm. And funny at the same time. Oh, yeah. He was brilliant. He's every one of his specials you can watch now, and it's the same. It's, it's, it's almost like you go, "Wow, was he ahead of his time?" Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I know you. You have a heart out. Did they tell you that you have to do a joke? Did they tell you they had to do a street joke? They didn't, yeah. did you? Okay, all right. Well, then, hang on just one moment here. Let's get the. All right. Uh, I I don't know if I have a joke. Okay. Well, we, but, we can but, save but, it. But let me just share this with you. Okay. So ask me where I was raised. Okay. Um, Tony, Orlando, where were you raised? I was born and raised in a place called Hell's Kitchen in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. It was a tough area. How tough was it? How tough was it, right? <laughs> I'll tell you how tough it was. I recently went back, and I noticed that half of my friends drive cabs, and the other half rob them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Uh, I don't know how funny it is, but that's just gorgeous. Do you, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in one quick anecdote just before you go, and it's a uh, it, it, you know the story about Don Rickles and um, uh, and, and Frank Sinatra. Okay, so I know a few. Okay, so this this is the one. Frank is in in the restaurant eating with, all, with his entire entourage, all the all the goombas and the whole bit, and. Don Rickles comes into the same restaurant and he's dating his, his then girlfriend, soon to be wife. And, uh, he's like, hang on just a second. I go and go say hello to Frank. And he goes over to Frank's table and says, Hey Frank, I'm on a date right now. It would mean a lot to me if you would just swing by and say hello, really kind of big me up a little bit. It would be really nice. He goes, absolutely no problem. So Don goes back. He starts eating his meal, having a lovely conversation with his wife to be Frank gets up in the middle of the restaurant and everyone. So he's like, Oh, it's Frank. It's Frank. And he walks over to Don Rickles table and he goes, uh, Don, pleasure to meet you. And he goes, Frank, I'm eating here. Can't you see that? Get out. And- <laughs> hey, I'll tell you a real story about Shecky Green and Frank. Okay. Yeah. Shecky Green. Beautiful. Let's hear this. Okay. So Shecky Green, of course, mm-hmm. legendary comet just passed away. Yep. Shecky Green is working the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. And Shecky was using some jokes mm-hmm. about Frank. Right. That Frank didn't appreciate. <laughs> and so Shecky tells the story. And by the way, it gets a laugh. I got a big laugh in his show, but was true. Uh-huh. So he comes out and says, Frank Sinatra saved my life last night. There were five guys beating the shit out of me backstage. And he said, that's enough, boys. <laughs> and it was it's a true story. It's a true story. So he had that power. Yeah. He had that power. But I asked, I asked Shekin Shekin, were they really beating you up? He goes, they're slapping me around. They weren't beating me up. They were mm-hmm. just warning me to stop it. And I said, did he really come by? And he goes, no, I just edit that as part of the show. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but. But Frank had that image that when he did say it in that Shecky Green delivery, mm-hmm. bingo, big Yeah, life. exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Tony, Mr. Orlando, I can't thank you enough for for popping on. Do me a favor. Yeah. Call me again. We'll love to. Ball, and, and don't call me Mr. Orlando. Is that a deal? Fine, Tony. Yes, fine. <laughs> That's it. Uh, dude, you are welcome back anytime. Because uh, we we just scratched the surface on on so many things you've Anytime done. Anytime so. you need me, call me. Beautiful. All right. 
You have a you have a fantastic trip. Enjoy Niagara Falls. That's how we yes. got got you in contact. I love that. My favorite room. That's my the favorite. Avalon. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. The best sound in the world right in that room. They'll be happy to hear it. They'll be happy to hear it. Good luck with the tour. Happy retirement. We'll talk to you soon. I hope. God bless you and their great country. Thanks for listening to OK So Here's One, a podcast celebrating street jokes. Thank you to Tony for telling his joke. It was fun, and I got to do a little bit of Carson in there. It was pretty sweet. You can see him at the Avalon Theater at Falls View Casino, one of his favorite rooms. He just said it. February 27th and 28th, you can get tickets from the link in the show notes. And you can find 23 seasons of our previous podcast, Comedy Above the Pub, that feature many of the guests that you have heard in previous episodes. Find that at ComedyAboveThePub.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. If you like this show, please tell your friends, like, subscribe, leave a review. And just like the old days, leave a five-star review, but talk shit about us in the commentary. Five stars, talk shit about us in the commentary. The show is produced by Darcy Finder. Our music is done by Larry Bryant. Artwork is done by Wojtek Arkaszewski. If you would like your joke to be uh, told on air, we'll do it when we're not pressed for time with such a time crunch like we did with Tony Orlando. Send it in and we will read it. Uh, It can be dirty or clean, just not uh, racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, or xenophobic, or as we say, no isms, no obias. Send your jokes to jokes at oshopod.com. That's jokes at O-S-H-O-Pod.com. That stands for OK, So Here's One Pod. You can send your questions and comments about the show to show at oshopod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky, and TikTok at oshopod. Follow me personally on the same platforms at HatesTVA, except for Instagram, needs an underscore. It's a long story. I hate them. Uh, for my upcoming live performances, like Write Em Up on Thursday, February 29th at Absolute Comedy in Ottawa. Go to hatestva.com slash calendar. You can join our Patreon for $3 a month and get the full, raw, unedited video feed plus bonus perks and jokes at patreon.com slash oshopod. I'm Tav and Alan. On behalf of the wonderful Tony Orlando, the no longer erstwhile Darcy, and myself, thank you for listening to OK So Here's One, Jimmy, Bobby, and Monty. You are always the podcast.